Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. So hey, uh, what I want to do before we start in is I want to thank you guys. Many of you came out to the board meeting on Monday and showed your support and we appreciate you being there um, because uh, it shows that the community is involved and is concerned about these issues. And, uh, and so thank you. I know it's, sometimes it's just standing around, but it's the ministry of presence, actually. So when you're there, and look, this is not going to be in the end. Uh, we have to continue to battle through a lot of things. And, and understand this, too, guys, that... Um, you're going to get backlash. You're going to get called all kinds of names and stuff like that. I mean, uh, someone was telling me, uh, uh, Joe was telling me this morning, someone in the Bakersfield, California, some professor out of what Cal State or something like that, wrote a scathing thing, you know. And of course, you, you should expect that, right? You know, so what? You know, uh, let the enemy say what they want to say, but we're going to shine the light. We're going to tell the truth about this. And quite frankly... Um, there's a conspiracy in the schools against the parents. I saw it. They are keeping information from parents intentionally. And imagine if your grandson or granddaughter or your your son or daughter, you know, has been influenced from the secular world and influenced from a public school. And now they're saying, well, I don't know if I'm gay. I don't know if I'm lesbian. I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. Would you want to know that as a parent? Of course you would. Of course you would. And like the stats showed that the, the, the psychologist in Finland came out and said like four out of five will just grow out of it. So, you know, but the pressure over there in the schools and, and societies to conform and go along with this and stuff. And, and, and really that's at the heart of it. You know, and and I, I, I was telling a lot of folks, look, isn't it funny that you get up there and you heard my speech. I didn't go in there and on a rant saying, you know, this is the most ungodly thing. You guys are a bunch of devils. You guys are, you know, evil demons are, are, are possessing you. I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. I said, parental rights, man. You let the parents know. What makes a teacher who's trained in education to teach history, science, whatever, take it upon themselves to go into the realm of sexuality and gender? When you see that, that is the arrogancy of the movement. That their movement is is all encompassing, and 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 so we're not done. Okay. So what I did this week, I emailed all the board members. I showed them my documentation from the GSA website, their own website manifesto. Now here's the thing: you see the manifesto; it is off the chart. I pointed out in there how they're told the leader in the leadership manual not to tell these parents. That's in the manual. It's in the manual. So when they say, "I we don't do that," your manual says you do. In fact, your instructors said you're, they're not supposed to. And then in your manifesto, it says all these other crazy things like we want to defund the police, we're, we want to give reparations from white people to you know, uh, indigenous and black people, and we want to uh, abolish ICE, we want to abolish borders, we want to get rid of the cis-heterosexual patriarchy. It's all there. It's all there. So my thing is, we're going to push, continue to push that issue and, um, and see what they do. Now, again, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, you have to realize who you're dealing with. Uh, you're dealing with leadership that's cowards. That's really what they are. Because you know what their fallback is always? Well, we're just following the rules. So I, the one old boy up there goes, well, I'm a rule follower. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe we should put you in Nazi Germany and see what kind of rule follower you are. You're that kind of rule follower where you have no conscience, no thinking, you don't have any moral concepts to see if this is wrong or right. I'm just a rule follower. That's the mentality you have on that board and around leadership here in Bakersfield. And we're trying to change that. We're trying to push back. So my thing to you guys, thank you for coming out. We needed you there. I wanted them to feel the, 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 the pressure from the community, and you did it. And uh, this is, the fight's just begun, guys. 
It's just begun, okay? So um, thank you for that. Thank you for coming out. We did make the Daily Caller, which is a national news uh, uh, paper, and so um, that was good. It was a positive thing, but um, hey, this was a big deal, the fact that it went national. So um, it was definitely worth getting involved. So let's get to um, our our, uh, series in Abraham. And I want to focus in on this aspect of Abraham, the, the protection and the call. And this is going to be important. It's, it's, it, it goes right into what you and I are, are dealing with right now on the ground here in Bakersfield and, and all this crazy spiritual war that we're in. Um, so we're looking at Abraham's call specifically. Obviously, it's a call to bless the nations. It's a call to produce the Messiah. It's a call to all the, the spiritual blessings that want, God wants to give humanity. And it's going to come through Abraham or the Abrahamic covenant. And um, we're seeing this man being called. Now, what I've said before is what we want to learn from Abraham is apply it to our own call. Because everybody in this room is called to do something. That's why you're here, man. You're here because you have a reason that God wants you to do something for him that has eternal value. So all of our lives here matter. Everything you do matters. This week matters. Tomorrow morning matters what you're doing because it's part of your call. Now here's what you have to realize. Part of that call is going to be very difficult. There's no doubt about it. We've already looked at the difficulty of what Abraham has to do. He has to separate from his family and move on. But what I want to hone in on right now is the protection aspect that God's going to give Abraham and try to apply to ourselves. Now, allow me on this one, because I, I have to go into a little bit more technical stuff, because believe it or not, you are in the pinnacle area of the Abrahamic covenant in the protection mechanism. So just allow me to go into the Hebrew a little bit. Allow me to dig a little bit deeper so I can flush this out so you can see the ramifications for today in regards to Israel, which is another uh, issue that's, that's becoming a problem, uh, not for us, but for, the, for the, the society. So we have all these dividing lines I've, I've talked to you about. You know, like uh, you've got the dividing line of abortion, your dividing line of gender and all this other stuff. Israel is another dividing line because of the statement made in this text. And so it's, that's why we, 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 we recognize the nation of Israel. We, we recognize our roots coming out of Israel as the church. Um, and I'm going to explain that a little bit for, more because most people don't understand it, how it relates to Israel. Okay. So this is where we started out. This is what we've already studied, okay? So now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So we unpack that all. We, uh, we understand he had to separate to get where he needed to be. And the basis of this, and just kind of synopsis of what we've already learned, is that the call involves a separation from that which is less spiritually important to greater spiritual importance. That's how God moves us. Now, we, we go through these seasons of life, and the call always remains, but in this season of life, you, you learn this, and you do this, and once you've done that, you need to move on, because now something more spiritually important is happening in this next season of life, and you're required to get there. So that's what the call always revol- uh, revolves around, is going to greater spiritual importance in what you're doing. So like... The longer you live, the more important your life actually becomes in completing the mission. That's how it actually works. You start out embryonically as a, as a young person, but as you're walking, everything gets more weightier spiritually. Everything gets more heavier. Everything you do starts really, really mattering. And so you don't want to think about, there's no such thing as a Christian retirement, really, it's that everything you do, because think about this, as you grow older, you get wiser. You know, you can read things, you understand things, you know life better. That makes you more valuable to God and more usable to God, rather than just being a 19-year-old that doesn't know anything, right? So it, it's important that everything, every stage we go to, you realize it has more spiritual value every time you move. Okay. So here's the thing. Now we're going to get into the promises and rewards of this. 
There's three promises of rewards based on doing one thing. This is how God will, will interact with Abraham. You do this, Abraham, then I'll do three things. Now, I'm not saying that when you do something for God, he's going to do automatically three things, but it's the principle I want you to see. The principle is this. If you do this, then God will do more than what you think. That's how it works, okay? And you won't be able to see it until you get there, but that's kind of the trade-off. So God will ask you, just do this one thing, and I will affect maybe a multiplicity of things for you if you do the one thing. And that's how it will be. So you say, well, what do I do for God? Do the next thing he's told you to do. That's it. Do the next thing he's told you to do. Tomorrow, do what the next thing he tells you to do. And then he will supply blessings around that if you just simply walk out. That's how it works. You do this, I do, th- I do three things. Okay, so the first thing he tells him what he's going to do is I'm going to make you a great nation. And again, this is talking to Abraham that can't have a baby, right? Sarah's barren. But he's telling them, one of the blessings I'm going to do is I'm going to make a nation. And the issue then you have to understand is why does he make him a nation? Because the nation that's going to be created out of Abraham is going to have the task of reclaiming all the other nations back to God from the Tower of Babel. That will be this nation's duty. This nation will be a holy nation. This nation will be a kingdom and a a priestly nation, a mediatorial nation that will try to recapture and be a light to the goyim to bring them back to Yahweh, okay? We know that as the nation of Israel, okay? So Israel, uh, the Hebrews, are created out of Abraham. So that's the big thing. And Obviously, the nation of Israel, as you can see, is a testimony to God's protection. They still exist today. In fact, after being scattered throughout the nations for, what, the last 2,000 years, God brought them back according to the prophets. The prophets predicted there would be a worldwide gathering of Israel in unbelief back to the land before the tribulation. We have seen that. So when you look at 1948, guys, it is a big deal. It is a prophetic prophetic signpost. It is a birth pain that we're close to the end since Israel has been brought back. Most churches, most pastors, most Christians don't even know anything about Israel. They could care less, actually. But it is the nation that God created at Abraham, and they're with us today. Now, the majority of Israel today is in unbelief. We know that. There are more Messianic Jews now, though, coming to faith, and they're part of the body of Christ, obviously. But one day, Israel's going to actually get saved in the tribulation, and they're going to be the head of the nations during the Messianic kingdom. So there's a lot of things that are going to happen with Israel because of the promises made in this passage. So he's going to make out of him a nation. So this is part of the blessing aspect. Abraham, do this. Okay, so think about how the blessing aspect comes. You can't have a baby, but I'm gonna make a nation out of you. So that implies he's gonna eventually have a baby and, and, and progenitors that come from him. That's the idea here. Okay, oops. There we go. So let me, let me, let me show you something from Romans chapter nine about this. It says, the Israelites to whom pertain the adoption the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Now, Paul is mentioning this because he's trying to tell the Gentiles who think Israel's done and finished that, no, you don't understand. It is Israel that was a vehicle which carried not only all the promises and covenants, but also the Messiah as well. And you have every obligation to be thankful for them and, and, and spiritually bless them because of this. And so obviously um, they came back in 1948. Uh, I've been in that room. It's a very small room, but that was the start of it. Israel declared themselves a nation even before the United States declared, themselves, declared them a nation. And obviously uh, great things in history happened. And state of Israel is born. Um, 
and there's the Jewish people that are coming back, and they're still coming back to this day. Because they're find, you know what they're finding out today? They're finding out that people are getting more anti-Semitic. Europe is becoming anti-Semitic, so they're leaving Europe. And America is becoming really, really anti-Semitic, and many of the Jews are returning back to the land of Israel. Isn't that funny? That's what the prophets promised, that they would return back in unbelief. And now we know the reason why. It's through persecution, anti-Semitism. Anyway, <clears throat> he says then, I'm going to make you a great nation. And the th- second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And it's barach in Hebrew. Now, the way you can translate barach is um, it, it can, it's definitely loaded on the material blessing, okay? There's also spiritual blessing in this, but the, the, the root of the word barach uh, means material blessing. Now, here's what you have to understand. The reason God is going to bless Abraham materially and spiritually is Abraham will need this in order to complete the call, okay? Because remember, he has left his home, he has left his countrymen, he has left, he has left his family. So he's going to lose financial support. He's gonna go live in a tent. So what's God gonna do? He's gonna ensure that Abraham has the financial resources to pull this off, okay? So he's actually going to make uh, Abraham very wealthy. But the wealth is not to just make him rich. It's to help him carry out the call. Now, that's an interesting thing about money. And I think it's a principle that we can understand. God decides how much we get, how little we get, what we're getting, all these other things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Whatever he is giving you is meant for you to do your call. If, you gives, if he gives you a little bit more, that, that is to aid you in your call. And so you have to look at money in a different fashion. It's not about, well, I can spend all this on my, myself and do all these crazy things and buy, a, buy a, you know, a mansion. No, 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 it's not for that. It's for you to be able to, to complete the call. When we take money in for the church, it's to complete the call of the church. We take it in for an individual ministry. It's to complete that ministry, whatever it might be. It's not for us. It's for the call. Now, now, that's what you have to understand about that, and that's why he's going to bless them, okay? Now, here's what I want you to see about the blessing, the blessing of God. We won't know how he will bless, you, uh, bless us in the call. He doesn't explain that to you. He just says, do this, and I will bless you. That blessing might come materially, but it might, it, most of it, the blessing will come spiritually, and that's what we have to understand. Now, let me make the caveat on this, the spiritual blessing, Romans chapter 11, according to Paul, says we are grafted into the Abrahamic covenant through the new covenant. And what Paul will say, not only in that passage, but in Ephesians, is that we as Gentiles participate in the spiritual blessings of the Abrahamic covenant in four different ways. So there is not a guarantee for goyim under the new covenant of physical blessing. Can God physically bless? Of course he can, but it's not a guarantee. The new covenant only guarantees material blessings to the nation of Israel. So Paul says in Ephesians 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Okay? That includes salvation, forgiveness, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, adoption, includes resurrection, and all those kinds of spiritual aspects. Okay? So what you have to keep in mind, too, is God may bless you materially to carry out your mission, but the majority of your blessing will be spiritual. It'll be a spiritual reality that you get to experience in the abundant life. He will bless us in the call, but the blessing is for us to be a blessing to others. So he's not just going to bless you because of you. It's actually that you're to take that blessing and actually give it out to other people is what he's trying to say. And then he says, I will make your name great. Now, this is interesting. I will make your name great. This is in contrast to what was happening at the Tower of Babel. Remember that Tower of Babel? And they said, come, let us make a name for ourselves. What is that? Make a name for ourselves. Well, it comes back to usurping God. 
it comes back to there's only one name that needs to be exalted. It is the name of Yahweh. It is the name of Jesus now, right? You, we exalt God's name in the call. That's the purpose of your call is to exalt God in anything you do. It's not to make a reputation for yourself. It's not to make a name for yourself. When the Tower of Babel, Babel people did this, they were trying to say that we're the new gods. It's us that's going to bring you know, peace and prosperity to the world and blessing to the world. And they were acting in, in, in a sense like God. That's what they were doing. This is what the, the world does today. The Soroses of the world, the Bill Gates, what are they doing? They're making a name for themselves, aren't they? They're actually, instead of exalting God's name, exalting their own name. This is what they do. And we see it all the time. So in your call, your call will be focused in on exalting the name of Jesus above all names, not you. You are not the focus of the ministry. Jesus is. And that's what, that's what Abraham is saying. Uh, what he's telling Abraham is, um, you're, you're gonna, I'm going I'm to make your, make your name great in reaction to how you make my name great. So here's the thing. People always want to be remembered for what they did. They want to, they want to leave a monument to themselves. They want to leave a, a plaque that they did this. That, that, that's not what you do. The first thing you do is you exalt the name. Look at Philippians 2. Therefore God has wholly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, right? That's the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the first primary thing in the call. We're exalting that name, okay. When you do this, when you do this in your call, and it's not about you, but it's about him, you will get a reward and your name will be exalted as Abraham was after the fact. Look at the rewards here. To him who overcomes, I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. You will be given a new name in heaven as a reward for exalting Jesus' name here. Now, that name might codify what you did. Maybe it's faithful or justice or, or uh, whatever, you know. Uh, patient endurance, I don't know, but that name will go with you for all eternity and your name will be exalted. Why? Because you exalted him here. Look at the other passage. He who overcomes, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. This is what he's doing with Abraham. If Abraham will answer the call and this is what Jesus is telling us. I will confess you before my father. That look at, this is one of mine, father. This is... This is Michael. This is Susan. And I'm going to change their name to this for all eternity. And so our names will be exalted in eternity if we exalt him's, his name here. That's how it works. Okay, let's continue on. What is this about? Well, it's a reward. Abraham, if you do this, I will reward you. That's what this is about. It's a reward. This is about storing up treasure in heaven. And rewards are a great motivator. People say, well, you know, and, and it's unfortunate. It's been taught that, well, you just get saved and then that's it. And then everyone just gets the same rewards. That's not true. That's not true at all. The Bible makes it very clear that some will be rewarded more and some will be rewarded less. But what are rewards meant to do? How are they supposed to motivate us? They're a motivator to keep us persevering despite the wretched conditions, the evil, the persecution, and the sin that surrounds us. Hey, man, life is tough, isn't it? It's hard. People don't like you. People don't like what you stand for. And just going through life is difficult. But the idea is there's something better. God will reward you for the hard work you do. God will reward you for sustaining yourself through this evil chaos that you're in. I know it's tough, but that's what the, the motivators are for. It allows you to see that we're built for struggle. Did you know that? You're built for struggle. The way you're designed is to be built for struggle. You're not built for comfort. 
You're not built for ease. You're not built for everything going right in your life. You're actually designed by God to be in a hostile environment. That's the way you're built, spiritually and physically. And because of that, you have to start recognizing that you're in the struggle and you're built for it, that you can actually do it in the way that God has equipped you. That's what rewards show you. And lastly, it helps us to have the mindset of a survivor rather than a victim. Look, man, we can sit all day uh, in the corner sucking our thumbs and saying how evil things are and not do anything about it. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to survive this and I'm going to keep pushing through and I'm going to keep fighting in my life for righteousness sake, for truth, for justice, all those kinds of things that God wants us to do to protect the innocent, to protect life, to protect sexuality, protect gender, all that stuff. You have to have a survivor's mindset. You cannot go into a victim mentality and say, poor me. That's what rewards do. And think about this. The fear of missing what God has for you now and the loss of eternal rewards should be greater than the fear of the risk of the call. This is what I'm going to do for you, Abraham, if you step out. I don't want to lose my crown. You don't want to lose your crown. You don't want to lose your reward. So, so, so you should be more afraid of losing that crown, those rewards, than all the risks that are involved in what he's calling you to do. That should outweigh it. And that's how rewards actually work. Let's continue on. Here's the second command, okay? So now we have do this, and I'll do three things. And now the second command, you shall be a blessing. Now, this is actually an imperative. It's a a command to him. I want you to be a blessing. And this is Genesis 12. So what does this include? This includes the Jewish people as well, for which there's no spiritual parallel of their role in all of history. There is no nation that was given this role other than the nation of Israel. And you say, well, what about the church? The church is not a nation. The church is made up of every tribe, language, tongue, and nation, which is a conglomerate of Jew and Gentile, but we are not a nation, okay? Don't get that confused with, with the vehicle of the church versus Israel, okay? They're different. So this is the nation that's been set up to be a blessing to the goyim. Now, let me explain some of these blessings. Some of these blessings are just in the fact that the Jews exist, the fact, I want you to think about this. Since the Jews have become back, uh, come back into being in a country, there's more Nobel Prizes uh, coming from that country than any other country in the world. They're the new Silicon Valley. They're the new innovators. They're the new innovators of medicine and technology. Why is that? Because even in unbelief, they have a double blessing as a firstborn son. And so just from them existing and doing what they're called to do, They bless our world. Look, in California, do you realize that the drip system for all of our ag comes from Israel? Israel invented the drip system. We benefit that in California. We used to do flood irrigation. But that comes straight from Israel. Your new medicine, all this other stuff is coming from Israel. Everything they invent, all these things, it's coming from Israel. And within 70-something years, they've been able to do that and bless the goyim materially, not even just spiritually. So Paul's point was, what happens when Israel comes to faith in the Messiah, how much more of a blessing they will be for the goyim, right? So that's their role. That's Abraham's role. Okay, so here's what we have to understand in your call. The call requires that we take on more responsibility to bless others. That is the essence of the meaning in life, is to take on more responsibility spiritually. So that's what Abraham's doing, okay? He's being offered this, and it's a huge responsibility because all the families of the earth will be blessed by him or through him. So your call requires you to step up your game. And the game is so that you can bless others. That's the idea. Now think about this. We make a choice to accept responsibility and the heaviness of authority that comes with it. It's hard to accept the call because it's going to require more of your time. It's going to require more sacrifice. It's going to require more heat coming upon you. But that's the nature of the call. 
Do you want the rewards? Do you want to bless people? See, the, remember when, when Esau didn't want to take the right of the firstborn and he sold it to Jacob for a bowl of stew? Do you know why he did that? Because he didn't care about others. He only cared about how the blessing came to him, but he did not see how he needed to get those blessings out to others. He was not others-focused. Jacob, on the other hand, is others-focused, and that's why he takes on the responsibility. And think about this. The heavier your load, the more rewards you're going to get in the next life, the more you take on. That's how it works. The heavier the load, the more meaning and value you will add to your life. People say, I don't know, I don't know my, 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 my life counts. Add more spiritual responsibility. And then you will start finding your meaning because it will coalesce with your call. The heavier the load, the, oops, the heavier the load, the more spiritual mature you will become, actually. You will grow to that load. And the heavier the load, the more useful and beneficial we, are, we will become to be others. And the heavier the load, the more focus is required to stop drifting spiritually. You will be like a laser beam when you take more on. When you take more spiritual responsibility, man, you, you get up every day and you know exactly what you need to do. You're not drifting around. And it, it, it creates order in the chaos, like I've mentioned before. Now, let's go to the safeguards, because this is important. This is probably the, the axiomatic passage that we all need to understand in detail. So I, 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 I'm asking you to put on your, 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 your tuning forks up and, and, and help me uh, with this passage, okay, as we study it. Basically this, there's three promises then to safeguard Abraham and the Jews from anti-Semitism because, as I've noted, the call, when you do it, will get enemies coming at you. They will come to try to stop you from doing this call. So what God establishes in the call is a protection. You're going to see with Abraham, but then I'm going to apply it to you. You will have a certain amount of protection if you're doing the call. Now let's explain it. He says this, I will bless those who bless you. Okay? So it's the idea that if you treat Abraham well, if you treat the Jews well, okay, then you're going to receive blessing. That's the idea. So that's part of the protection from enemies. Okay? So people who treat the Jews today well will be blessed. Unfortunately, we have the majority of the church that don't bless Israel. In fact, when the majority of the church actually says they're done, the majority of the church um, could care less about Israel. We have replacement theology. We have supersessionism, where they think the church has replaced Israel. And that is a deadly, demonic doctrine. And so those churches, those Christians, those believers who take lightly, and that's what the Hebrew is saying, they take lightly Abraham, they take lightly the Jewish people, have blessings removed from them. I'm not saying they lose their salvation, but they will have blessings removed because this is still in effect. It's not done. Notice what it says on the negative. And I will, God personally, I, and, and, and the way it's structured in Hebrew is not just I will, I must, I must curse. Now, what does it mean to curse? It's banned to impose a barrier, a paralysis of movement or other capabilities or remove from place or power and blessing. Now, what I want you to see in the Hebrew is the cur I will curse is, is very weighty compared to him who curses. Notice what it says, treats you lightly, holds you in contempt, disrespects or, or curses you. So it's like this. If someone just treats you lightly, Abraham, if someone just disrespects you, I'm gonna bring the full weight of the curse on them is what Jesus, uh, sorry, Yahweh is saying at this point in time. It's not an even thing. Okay, you mess with Abraham at this level, I'm gonna mess with you at this level. 
You see the, the point of the, what the Hebrew is trying to say? It's not that I'm going to treat you the same. I'm going to bring more punishment on you. Okay? Now, America, on a national level, has been blessed because they've been friendly to, we've been friendly to Israel. But in recent days, starting with Barack uh, Obama, and now even to this day, we have turned our backs on Israel in a lot of ways. And when you turn your back on Israel... The nation of the United States will suffer these kinds of things, a barrier, paralysis of movement, other capabilities, and remove place or power or blessing. So a lot of what's going on in America is because God is removing his blessing because we're cursing Israel. We're treating her lightly. We're not dealing with her as we should. Now, again, uh, I'm going to make the caveat. It, that, this doesn't mean that we... Uh, can support every political decision the government of Israel makes. That's not what this is saying. What it means is that we support the Jewish people, their right to exist, their right to the land. And that's, that's, that's Christian Zionism, okay? It doesn't mean I support if they make a bad move politically or something like that. But there's a great book I want to recommend. It's called Eye to Eye by Bill Koenig. And Bill Koenig catalogs that every time the United States does something stupid to Israel and curses Israel, you will see the result of what God does to our nation immediately after that. And that book is about this thick. And it just details everything. And it's true. You can see it. You can see the Abrahamic cursing that's going on. Uh, we'll get hit with ec bad economics. We'll get hit with storms. We'll get hit with anything that we do. And it'll happen right after the day that, that we do something stupid. When we bless Israel, we get blessed, right? We get blessed. You curse Israel, you're going to get, get uh, some problems. Now, how does that work with believers? Let me tell you how it works with believers. When believers treat Abraham lightly, when believers treat the nation of Israel lightly and the Jews lightly, or they replace them with the church, okay? And say the Jews are done, we're, you know, there's no more, there's, they're not coming back. Or you get into even the, 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 um, the reformers like Luther and Calvin who were just absolutely anti-Semitic. You know how bad Luther was? Luther hated the Jews so bad that he wanted to kill them tie them up in their synagogues and burn them to death. That's how bad Luther and Calvin were towards you. Complete anti-Semitics. It's shocking, isn't it? But that's how they were. That's how a lot of the reformers were. But anyway, what happens to a believer? They get blessings removed. I don't know how that works, but they get blessings removed. And I can tell you this, based on reading the writings of Luther or Calvin or any of these other anti-Semites in church history, they go spiritually blind in eschatology and they go spiritually blind in any reference to the Jews at that point in time. And it corrupts them and it makes them weird and it makes them theologically off. And that's what you can see from Luther and Calvin's writings. Those two guys are so off on every other topic, it's not even funny. Because they were intent, it looks like they were blinded to see the rest of the Bible because of that one issue. Luther can't get his, his ecclesiology straight. Luther can't get his eschatology straight. And neither can Calvin. And they can't even get their soteriology straight either. They're so messed up and fouled up. And it shows the, the impact of when you decide to take something like this and, and not, not take it for what it says, you will lose your ability to see spiritually. And that's what I think happened. I think that's what happens to a lot of Christians that mess with the, Israel, the Jews and the Israel. Now, when you see this, it's pretty serious, and it is still in effect. And then it says, and in, and in you, all the, earth, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, let me unpack that in 12.3. Of the earth. Notice it says of the earth. All the families of the earth. Now, the idea is the ha'aretz, the, the, the land, the, the earth, okay? And what it refers back to is Genesis. And, and cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. So what it is implying here is that the the families of the earth are already cursed under the penalty because of sin, okay? And they're cursed. 
So implied in the blessing is a blessing from freedom of the curse. That's what's implied. And in you, notice it says in Abraham, in him. When you see the word in him, it means the seed aspect. That's not just Abraham. It goes to the seed aspect of Israel and the Jews and ultimately Messiah. Because he is, Messiah is in effect in the seed of Abraham. So it extends to Israel and all the way to the Messiah. So here's, here, let me get into the Hebrew a little bit. It's a little technical, okay? But just, just hang on with me. What it is saying in the Hebrew is that God is the source of this blessing, okay? But Abraham and his descendants are the channel of this blessing, okay? As Paul mentioned in Romans chapter 9. So through Israel, this they're going to be the channel of blessing and ultimately produce this, this Jewish Messiah that we know of Jesus of Nazareth, okay? Now, this is interesting. When you look at the New, Te the, um, the, uh, New Jerusalem, we know that the foundations of New Jerusalem are built on the apostles, right? But what are the names of the gates? It's the 12 tribes of Israel. So for all eternity, as you go in and out of the gates of New Jerusalem, you are reminded that the way to the Messiah is through Israel because of the Abrahamic covenant. You're not getting to him. He's the Jewish Messiah unless you understand the Abrahamic covenant. Because here's what it's saying. This is the Hebrew. It's a nifal stem. It's in the, probably in the middle sense. It's a hard way to translate it, but I think this is the best translation. What it is saying is this, that all the families of the earth will bless themselves if they discover the blessing in, in the Abrahamic covenant through Abraham and his seed Israel and ultimately the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Okay, That's what it's saying in the Hebrew. So that's why I say Israel is integral to producing the Messiah. Messiah is integral, obviously, because he's the Jewish Messiah. So this, if you want to call it a religion that we're in, Christianity is a Jewish religion. It is not a Gentile religion. The religion that we focus in on is diametrically Jewish in nature. You're not getting saved unless you understand where the blessing of salvation is found. And it is found in the Jewish Messiah through the Jewish people through Abraham. That's the idea, okay? It's very Jewish. And that's why when we teach here at Rock Harbor, I teach the Jewish background. I teach the Jewish understanding of things because this is not a Gentile religion, it is centered and focused in on Abraham. So what does this mean? Well, this continues on. People say, well, I've, I said the, I've read these stupid commentaries that are replacement theology commentaries. And you say, oh, it's only meant for, for Abraham. No, it's not. Look at number 24. This is, this is um, Balaam trying to curse Israel as a nation, and he can't. And look what he says about the nation of Israel. He only can bless Israel. Look what he says. He repeats Genesis 12.3. I, blesses he who blesses you and curses he who curses you. This is for the nation, not just Israel. This is for the nation of Israel in the time of Moses. So it continues on. It's for Israel. So basically this, Yahweh has announced that his promise to protect Abraham is not limited to only Abraham, but to the nation of God that God says he will make out of Abraham, which is the Jewish people. So the Abrahamic covenant is a blessing not only to Abraham and Israel, but its purpose is to extend to the nations, the goyim, which will be accomplished through the Israel and ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, Shuhamashiach. That's the idea. Okay, notice the term all families of the earth. We're not done with all the families of the earth, by the way. Because what will happen is Israel will get saved in the tribulation and then they will continue to be the client nation of, of Jesus and do the work of bringing the goyim back to Jesus, to the Abrahamic covenant, during the Messianic age. 
And so all the families include the, Messian, the future Messianic kingdom, and Israel will be the one that brings the nations to the Jewish Messiah. Israel and Messiah will absolutely be necessary and essential for this to be accomplished. Israel's role is to do that, and one day they will. So we're not done with Israel. They're, they're, they're still on this track to do this. But look what's happening. Let's go to the wor- real world now. So that's our theology. But look how the world treats Israel. Iran shows off ballistic missile bearing Hebrew words, death to Israel. America has anti-Semitic problem. Victims cannot be left alone, left to fight it alone, Rabbi says. Anti-Semitic 2022 is rising at a rate unprecedented in the 1930s. Alarming rise of anti-Semitism in the United States. Anti-Semitic attitudes in America, top findings, widespread belief in anti-Jewish tropes, anti-Jewish conspiracy theories all over the place. It's everywhere. Substantial rates of Israel-focused anti-Semitism. Many Americans believe that Israel-oriented anti-Semitic positions from 40% who at least slightly believe that Israel treats Palestinians like Nazis treated Jews. This is all the tropes that are going on. Young adults have more anti-Israel sentiment than older generations, only marginally less belief in in anti-Jewish tropes. What's wrong with our kids? Not only are they being groomed, but they're being groomed to hate Israel in the colleges and universities. They're being groomed to hate them. Do you know this? In most history classes, they're not even teaching the Holocaust anymore. You could barely get that out of them anymore in the history class. They skip right over the Holocaust many times on purpose. Why is that? May we never forget? Did they forget that? They have. Because it's starting again. So here's what we have to do, the protection and the call. We are here to tell the truth because we were told the truth. We are here to save because we've been saved. We are here to serve because we've been served. We are spiritually blessed because we've been blessed spiritually. We are to minister because we've been ministered to. So what's what's our protection? Now, I've been talking about this on Wednesday night. This goes directly to you and I, and this is what I want you to apply. Look Look what Paul said. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, loving, love, uh, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, in Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So what does that mean as far as your call is concerned? Well, wait, wait a second. Look what Paul said. I was, I was afflicted, I was persecuted, but the Lord delivered me. And like I said on Wednesday night, what does he mean by delivered? Look what he said happened to him. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robber, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in, my si- in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and total, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, who is weak? I am not weak. Who is able to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things that, which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, blesses, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretha, uh, Aretas, the king, uh, was guarding the city of the, uh, Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. What did he just tell you? When he says God delivered him, what did he just say right now? What is the nature of Paul's deliverance in order to do the call? It's called he was able to survive. He was not protected to where nothing affected him where he wasn't beat and he wasn't shipwrecked. 
He wasn't bitten by snakes. None of that. He is saying, look, the protection that God provided for me is that I lived through all of this and here I am at the end. And that's the protection that Abraham will get because Abraham's going to have a very, very rough life. Very rough to do this call. And I'm telling you this, whatever your call is, I'm shooting straight with you. It's going to be very tough. But you will survive. You will be like Paul. You will push through. They will call you all kinds of names. They will beat you. They will do anything they can to stop you. But they can't stop. You just have to keep getting back up in the Lord's strength and moving forward like Paul. That's the essence of this. And so so the protection that you are afforded allows you to accomplish it. That's, the, that's, the, that's what he's saying. That's what he promises. So the hindrance to the call will come either from our sin nature, the fallen world, others, evil, satanic realm will all come at you. Everything will come at you. And these variables will hurt you and will cause you pain and will hit your family. But they can't stop you. And you have to remember that. So it's survivability. And I want, I want to end on this. And this is how you want to finish your call. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not, only to, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's what he wants you to do. Finish the call. Survive it because he promises you can so that you can finish your race. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can see through the protection that you gave Abraham and the protection that you give us. We understand we're being hit on all sides. We're being uh, having a lot of enemies come at us from the fallen world, from the, this people, whatever it might be. But we, we are rejoicing, Father, that they can't stop us. That we have been called by you to do an individual mission for you and that we can survive it and we can finish our race. Help us to finish strong, Father. Help us to do what you've called us to do. Give us the grace and mercy to deal with all the things that are coming our way. Just like you did with the Apostle Paul, he was able to keep getting up and keep moving and keep moving forward. Thank you for that encouragement, Father. And I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know your son, they would come to faith in him today. Understand he died on a cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day and gives everlasting life to anyone who will simply believe. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.